From True Africa, I'm Claude Winitsky, and this is Limitless. In this episode, we're asking how we Africans can fight HIV. And that was when I came back positive. We need to change the way we have sex. I mean, I am living with HIV, but I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Welcome to Limitless, the podcast that asks the questions that matter for Africa. We're looking for African solutions to African problems. In each episode, we're asking three guests one question that matters to Africans. And, no surprise, they don't always agree. The Limitless podcast is supported by the U.S. Department of State and the Scenefire Foundation. According to figures from the World Health Organization, over 25 million people in Africa are living with HIV. And Africa accounts for almost two-thirds of the global total of new HIV infections. HIV, if left untreated, can develop into AIDS, where you become very vulnerable to disease and illness. In 2018, a total of 470,000 people died from AIDS-related illnesses in the Africa region. It doesn't have to be this way. Even though we haven't found a cure, effective antiretroviral ARV drugs can control the virus and help prevent transmission. So how can we rethink the fight against HIV? My first guest is Bisi Alimi, a Nigerian LGBT activist who recently announced he was HIV positive. Here's our conversation. And I wanted to ask you about yourself a little bit more and specifically how you found out uh, that you were HIV positive. I remember it was in Abuja in 2004. I was attending the National AIDS Conference. And just to put it into context, um, about 18, 18 months to two years before then, um, my, I lost my best friend to AIDS. But I got into the LGBT, uh, the HIV space because of him um, and because of other friends I've lost. And it was at this conference in Abuja that I, I was encouraged by people that I recognized as, as, uh, as mentors to go for an HIV test. And that was when I came back positive. And I felt like my whole world came to an end, but I was lucky. And I'll tell you what I mean by I was lucky. I was lucky that I had those people there. And so when I got tested, the first thing they did was to bring me in, hug me, encourage me, and use their own personal lives to tell me that things are possible. I couldn't see it then because I realized that, wait a minute, I'm going to die soon because this is what happens to us. We get infected, we get sick, and then we die. But I was so passionate about still doing the work that I was doing when it's come to um, HIV advocacy for gay men. So why did you decide to go public? It's easier for me to talk about my sexuality than for me to talk about my HIV status. It wasn't just that it took me so long to, uh, to go public. It took me so long to start a medication. The, the drugs they were on, I think then the D4T, um, was one of the most common drugs, very toxic. It was just one day um, I took somebody to the hospital that the nurse said, have you done your HIV test? And I felt that that was when I broke down and I told her that I'm positive, I'm not on medication. And they did immediately did a viral load test. The first thing the doctor said is, how have you managed to stay alive till now? And that was when they put me 
on medication immediately. So that was five years after I was diagnosed. My, my coming out with my HIV was actually, I think I actually came out uh, around about 2015. And I, I, I work in that space. So within the people, within the community of HIV advocates and activists, I'm very open, I'm very out. But outside of that, I didn't see reason why I should tell anyone until I started getting involved in campaigns about encouraging people to go for testing. And I didn't realize that all my lives, when it's come to HIV, I've always been a fraud. I've always been a lie. And I felt that if I needed to go forward, I need to go forward and be honest to myself. And I do realize that what worked for me and has helped me has been the true stories of the survivors. And if I don't tell my story, the people that looked up to me, the people that believed in me, the people that see me as their role model and they are struggling, we not know that there is an alternative. And I needed to provide that alternative story. What was the reaction to your coming out with your status? Generally, when I came out, the, the reaction was quite mixed. There were people um, that saw it as an opportunity for them to you know, go for an HIV test. But amid all of this, there were people who saw it as an, as an opportunity to justify the fact that being gay, being HIV positive is a punishment for being gay. And, and the, the barrage of messages of hate mail that I got, but amid all of this, I need to be very honest. The, the, the support that I got was way, way above the hate and, and the trolls that were coming to me. And that for me is such a very empowering process. My second guest is Jacqueline Wambui, who's an HIV positive activist from Kenya. She spoke to our journalist, Emma Mugure. Here's their conversation. So how has your own story and experience changed how you think? So I knew my status in way back in 2004, and I didn't know what HIV was. And at those days, it was called AIDS. And every book you read would say, anybody who gets HIV is going to get AIDS and is going to die. So I sort of picked myself up and told myself, you know, I mean, my plan is not to die. And, and of course, I'd read stories of those who have survived long HIV. And then, of course, I also had my children. And I asked myself, who's going to raise my boys and not me? So I picked myself up. I did a, a, a counseling and training course for HIV so that I can know what, what is in my body. And then I started talking to people about it, about how to adhere to treatment, about how to prevent themselves. And so my story sort of encouraged myself and also other people to live positively with HIV. What do you think we have been getting wrong in the fight against HIV AIDS? We, we don't want to address the real issue. We don't want to address the fact that anybody can get HIV. Actually, the H in HIV stands for human. We need to change the way we have sex. We're not having sex conversations with our children. We're not having sex conversation in our living. Everything is whispered on the side. We don't talk bluntly, but everybody's having sex, <laughs> you see? So those are the kind of conversations we need to we need to start having. Also, don't treat HIV like it's this death sentence, because here we are, 17 years later, alive, on treatment. It's not death. It's not death. 
in your opinion, what can we do better? If we change our mindsets like that, I think we're going to make a big difference. And if people who are looking, even like for partners, they shouldn't discriminate about on people living with HIV because we are on treatment. And if I'm on treatment, I'm less likely to infect my partner because my the treatment is going to suppress my, my virus and it will be undetectable and I cannot transmit. What would you like policymakers to understand? We always tell even these global bodies, you, you make these decisions in boardrooms abroad. <laughs> you don't know what is happening to the woman on the ground. You don't know what's happening to the young person on the ground. So if you want even this woman to take up this medication or to even go to get herself tested, you need to find out what kind of life is she living, especially in Africa. Lastly, what mindset change would you like people with HIV to have? I would like people who are on treatment to be comfortable about being open with their status. Even, you know, um, general population need to embrace HIV like an ordinary, manageable condition. My third guest is Sadie Brown from South Africa. She announced her HIV status on Twitter in 2017. She's now an activist and calls herself an HIV victor, which I love. Here's our conversation. We're so proud and happy to have you as a guest today. We've been reading about you, but I wanted you to start off by telling us about yourself. Who are you, Sadie? So my name is Sadie Brown. I am a 27-year-old young person <laughs> who is um, living with HIV. I'm from South Africa and yeah, I've been using social media to destigmatize HIV. And so we wanted to see if you could tell us about how you found out that you actually had HIV. I was 14 years old. I was in grade 10 and we went to this event and there were people from some other organization who said, hi guys, we are <clears throat> doing VCT. VCT is voluntary counseling and testing for HIV. So if you'd like an HIV test, come through. So as a 14 year old, I wasn't dating, not having sex. I'm just thinking, let me just do it for the sake of making memories. And um, that is how I found out that I was living with HIV. And then eventually you decided to go public. Was it eventually or was it immediate? No, no, it was eventually. It was like four years later. Um, so what then happened is um, after finding out at that school trip, of course, I came home. I kept it to myself for the first six months. I was scared of telling anyone. And then towards December that year, I told my teacher who then said, I need to take you home and we need to tell like your parent or your guardian. So I live with my aunt. So we came home, we told her and she's the one who said, I knew about your parents. I didn't know about um, that you could have been born with HIV. So um, we all just concluded that I must have been born with it from um, that moment. We then told the rest of the family, but from that moment until I was 18 years old, we all just treated it like it was this open secret where everyone knew, but no one was saying anything about it. So it was only towards the fourth year when I was now turning 18, where my health started deteriorating because I was literally on my 18th year with no treatment, just living life like nothing was happening. Um, so it was only, I, I think when I got to realize that I needed to get on treatment, I felt like 
this is going to out me anyway so let me just start telling people so i started telling my friends and i think because it was the first time i was allowing myself to really be a human being about it and cry about it and just feel all these emotions i would write down my feelings and one day i wrote this piece titled an open letter to hiv and a few days later i decided to post it on facebook so that's how i started speaking about it on social media What's actually happened since you started getting all this attention? And I'm referring to the BBC article that came out back in 2017, which really kind of kickstarted the awareness of you as an activist in that way. Yeah, so much has happened since that interview. That was five years ago. Yeah, a lot has happened because when when they found me, I was literally just using social media, right? I don't even think I had an idea. I, I didn't. I didn't have an idea that what I was doing firstly was called activism. I remember the, the journalist literally said, what do we call you? And I said, I don't know. Just say my name. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, are you like an activist? And then I had to go on Google and search what activist meant. And I was like, okay, no, I think I think HIV activist is what um, you can call me. So a lot happened. And I think as I say this, it kind of paints a picture of how clueless at the time I was about the magnitude and the impact of what I was doing. And and so what I found really interesting was the way you describe yourself as an HIV victor. And I found that to be very positive. I got to do a lot of reading and I was seeing how the like people who are living with HIV or who are affected with HIV were being depicted. And I didn't like the negative narrative where it's like, oh, HIV victim. And I just felt like I don't want to be seen in that way. So I need to own my HIV status and not have people look at me and pity me. So I decided to call myself an HIV victor because, I mean, I am living with HIV, but I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Our guests may be HIV positive, but that's not the most interesting thing about them. They are people with lives and partners. They have struggles, dreams, and hopes. HIV doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to define your relationships. It doesn't have to define your future. So don't be scared. Just go get yourself tested. Thanks for listening. To find out more, visit www.trueafrica.co slash limitless or follow True Africa on Facebook and Twitter. Join in the conversation using the hashtag LimitlessAfrica. You've been listening to Limitless. I'm Claude Granitsky. The Limitless podcast is a production of True Africa. This podcast is made possible with a grant from the U.S. Department of State and the Seam Fire Foundation.